Turn your Bibles today to Mark chapter 1, verses 40 through 45, the gospel according to St. Mark, the first chapter starting in verse 40. I'll be reading out of the New King James Version of the Scripture. That's what will be on your screen. What is also, that is the uh, pew that is in the back of your, your uh, pew if you would like to follow along there. Of course, welcome to use any electronic devices that you might have. Isn't that a wonderful, wonderful thing that we can carry the Bible with us everywhere we go? Amen. It's a wonderful thing. I you know, you have to be careful when you're a pastor. You talk about your family. You don't want to embarrass your family, and you don't want to brag, brag them up, set them on too much of a pedestal, and, and you don't want people to get tired of hearing it. But uh, this morning, uh, I got up before my alarm, and uh, I walked down to the other end of the hall, and I kept hearing a gargling noise. I thought maybe something was water pipe or something was leaking. I thought maybe it was a, a toilet running or a sink dripping. and I kept hearing it. I walked past by. It was coming out of Cameron's room, and I realized uh, when I opened the door what it was. He takes on his, uh, on his tablet and goes to his Bible app and puts the, the Bible on uh, audio mode, and all night long while he's sleeping, the Scripture's being read all night long while he's sleeping, and uh, that's a pretty good thing, it and have Scripture going all, all night long. Amen. All right, Mark chapter 1, verse 40. Now a leper came to him, that is Jesus, imploring him, kneeling down to him, and saying to him, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus moved with compassion. That, that word literally means he felt it in his spleen. We would say he felt it in his guts that he was moved with compassion. He stretched out his hands and touched him and said to him, I am willing, be cleansed. And as soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. And he strictly warned him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go your way, show yourself to the priest, and offer for your cleansing those things which Moses commanded as a testimony to them. However, he, the former leper, he went out and began to proclaim it freely and to spread the matter uh, so that Jesus could no longer openly enter the city but was outside in deserted places, and they came to him from every direction. I want to speak to you this morning on the subject, can't keep it quiet. Can't keep it quiet. Father, in Jesus' name, we're praying for the anointing of the Holy Ghost of God, of God upon your word and in your word. Speak to us and through us in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Would you give the Lord a hand clap of praise for his word? The leper had come to Jesus, really violating the Mosaic law, getting that close to him. Jesus did not rebuke him. Jesus instead wanted to know what the man wanted. The man said, I want to be made whole. And if you will, you can make me whole. What faith. Jesus said in my vernacular, I will. And he could have just spoken the word, but instead he reached out his hand and touched him. 
and the man was cleansed. And Jesus said, See that you tell no man, go and do what the Mosaic law required, which was to go show yourself to a priest, bring various sacrifices. There was a whole uh, protocol that they went through to declare a leper clean. But Jesus said, tell no man. Jesus had a reason for that. Jesus wanted to be able to go about his work without the interference of fame in fact, there are people that will tell you, well, that Jesus healed so that he could spread the word. Jesus healed so he could get a crowd. Jesus healed so that he could promote his ministry. Jesus was not interested in PR. Jesus healed because Jesus is God in the flesh and God loves sick people and that's why Jesus heals. He still heals today, not so that some evangelists can can say, come witness these miracles. He still heals today because God loves hurting people. But the this leper, leper was a believer. We don't know how much he understood about Jesus, whether he knew he was Messiah, whether he knew he was God in the flesh. We don't know. We know he had enough belief in Jesus to believe that Jesus would heal him. And he had an encounter with Jesus where he was healed of his leprosy and his first act as a believer and his first response to the first command that the Lord gave him was to disobey it. Isn't that incredible? He disobeyed it because Jesus said, don't tell anybody, I want to be able to go and come freely. But he just seemingly could not help himself. He could not keep it quiet. He immediately went out and began to proclaim it freely, the Bible says. He went out and began to spread the matter. Now, he didn't do that trying to cause the Lord trouble. I don't believe he did that trying to get Jesus in any kind of problem. He didn't do it out of a heart of disobedience. He was just so excited and so happy that whereas he had been a leper and unclean and separated from his family and had to cry out every time he walked into town, unclean, unclean, that when he looked down at his hands and he looked down at his feet, the digits that had fallen off were restored. The scabs that were oozing were gone. He had flesh like a baby. He was so excited about what Jesus had done for him, he just could not help himself but proclaim it. Have you ever been so excited about some good news that you just had to tell somebody? I don't know if you've ever been in this situation. Anybody ever give you good news? But it was, it was uh, good news that they said, now, don't tell anybody right now because we've got to wait until we're able to announce it. Don't and you just couldn't help. You, you tried to think of somebody that would keep it themselves. You just had to call somebody and say, I've just got to tell you the good news. In fact, just this week, and I was honored for this, just this week, uh, Olin Greer called me and Tyler, the little boy, they're in the process of adopting. They just had a court date where the uh, birth parents had released all of their parental rights and that's paved the way for the adoption to go through. And Olin had to call me and tell me the exciting news that that hurdle had been jumped, that that hurdle was over with. And I said to him, I'm flattered that I would be a person that you would think of to want to share that news with. Doesn't that feel good when somebody tells you 
the good news. When we have good news, we just naturally want to share it. Many, many years ago, the, the Prince of Wales at that particular time paid a visit to India when India was still a British province. And there were dignitaries there to meet him, but there were barriers that were set up to keep the common people and the undesirables and the caste systems that they had over there, those that were in the lower caste and the lower class were prevented from getting near the Prince of Wales. There were the barriers there and the Prince of Wales came out and he spoke to the dignitaries but when he saw the barriers he said take down those barriers and he allowed those common people to come and mix with him. Not long after that, he went back to that area, and when he got back to that area, this time he saw a banner which proclaimed the prince of the outcast, and there were tens of thousands of outcasts there to meet the prince of Wales because he had extended that invitation. And that's what Jesus did. Jesus didn't come to be wined and dined by the elite of society. He didn't go and was born in Rome to meet with Caesar. He did not go up to the temple. Jesus went to where the outcasts were and he is the prince of outcasts. He is the friend of sinners. Aren't you glad he's the lover of your soul? Amen. If you believe that, give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Because Jesus was willing to entertain this outcast, this leper, he was willing to touch and cleanse him. He said, don't tell anybody. But here's what one version of the scripture says. The man left there and told everyone he saw that Jesus had healed him, so the news about Jesus spread. I wonder if we use some reverse psychology sometime in the church if it would work better. Jesus would tell people, don't tell anybody about me, and they would tell everybody. We tell people, tell somebody about Jesus, and they tell nobody. Why did the man go out and tell it? Why should we tell it? Why did the early church tell it? Well, first of all, there is that urge to tell. When something exciting, something good happens, you want to tell it. Peter and John had been baptized in the Holy Ghost. They were going into the temple in Acts chapter 3 and they saw a man that was lame at the gate called Beautiful. Excuse me, and as they passed by and saw that man there, Peter saw him and said, look on us. The man thought he was going to give them, uh, give, or they were going to give him uh, silver and gold. Peter uh, said, this is how I know he's a church of God preacher. He said, silver and gold have I none. But then he said this, but such as I have, give I unto thee in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Rise up and walk, reached down, took him by the hand, pulled him up, and the man went running into the temple glorifying God. This caused distress among the chief priests. It caused distress among the Sanhedrin. They had been responsible for leading the charge to crucify Jesus. And now in the name of Jesus, this man was made whole. And the common people were singing the praises of God. And it was evident with the, the once crippled man standing in their midst that a miracle had took place. And they didn't know what to do with Peter and John. They knew if they punished them, there would be a riot among the common people. And so they said to them, this is Acts chapter 4, starting in verse 18. They called them. By the way, here's what it said when Peter gave his defense. The Bible says that they took knowledge of them, that they were ignorant and unlearned men, but they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. And here was the response that, that they gave. They called Peter and John to them and commanded them not to speak at all nor teach in the name of Jesus. 
But Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it's right in the sight of God to listen to you more than God, you judge, for we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. The ERV says we cannot be quiet. We must tell people about what we have seen and heard. It makes me wonder sometimes when Christians aren't sharing the news just what they've seen and just what they've heard. Because if you've been in the presence of Jesus, if you've felt the touch of his love, if you've experienced the warmth of his grace, if you've felt the healing touch, if you've felt his smile upon your face, you cannot help but to tell somebody, tell someone what the Lord has done. There was, amen, give him a hand of praise. There once was a blind man and the Lord gave him his sight. He had to tell somebody he couldn't keep it quiet. For once he's touched you, you're never the same. You gotta tell somebody, you gotta praise a name. Now there was a cripple sitting by the road. But when he met Jesus, he was then made whole. I can see him walking, then he starts to run. He had to tell somebody what the Lord had done. Go and tell somebody what he's done for you. Go and tell somebody what the Lord can do. How he gave you victory, how he brought you through. Go and tell somebody what he's done for you. How many want to share what Jesus has done for you? Amen. Give him a hand of praise. Not only is there that urge to tell, to share the good news, but there is an urgency to tell. It's an urgent matter. In 2 Kings 7 and 8 and 9, there were four lepers that were sitting outside the walled city of Samaria. The Syrians uh, had a siege on that wall. There was a famine and a shortage of bread. And the lepers, starting in verse 8, says that the, or the story goes that they said to each other, why are we going to sit here till we die? If we sit here, we're going to die. If we go into the city, we're going to die. We might as well go down to the enemy camp, see if they'll feed us. And here's what the Bible says. When these lepers came to the edge of the camp, they went into a tent and ate and drank. They carried off silver and gold and clothing and went and hid them. They came back and entered another tent and carried off things from it and went and hid there. When they got there, they had all fled. Now, I believe they, they thought the armies of the enemy were coming against them. They thought that, uh, that uh, Israel had made a league with another nation. I believe the Lord multiplied the sound of their footsteps. But when they got there, they were all fled, and they just went in. They were hungry. They went into the, to the mess tent, and there they had, you know, uh, steak, filet mignon, fried chicken, boy, I'm getting hungry, and banana pudding. I mean, they, I can just see them with mashed potatoes stuck in their beard. They just pigged out, and they got silver and gold. They stuffed their pockets full, and then verse 9, then they said one to another, what we're doing is not right. This is a day of good news. And if we are silent and wait until morning light, punishment will overtake us. They said there's a whole city of people starving to death and we've got more than four measly leopards can eat. Leopards can eat, And we can't enjoy the abundance of what we got and let everybody else grow, go hungry when just outside the city of walls there's bread enough and to spare. And I want you to know you and I can't come into West Ward Church of God today and enjoy the blessings of God and taste and see that the Lord is good and 
enjoy the good fruits of his labor and be selfish and say, but we've got it all to ourselves. We've got to get outside of the four walls of the city and go and tell people. In fact, someone said all that Christians are is just beggars telling other beggars where the bread is. There's an urgency to tell. People are dying without Jesus. We need to tell. The story says that Sherlock Holmes, Sherlock Holmes and, and uh, Dr. Watson went camping one day. And after they had had supper, they rolled out their, uh, you know, their bedrolls and they were laying there and they were looking up. And Holmes said to Watson, said, Watson, look up into the sky and tell me what you see. He said, well, I see millions of stars. And he said, well, Watson, what does that tell you? Watson thought for a minute. He said, well, astronomically, that tells me that there are millions of galaxies and maybe billions of planets out there. Astrologically, I observe that Saturn is in Leo. Horologically, I deduce that the time is approximately a quarter past three. Meteorologically, I suspect that we're going to have a beautiful day tomorrow in great weather. Theologically, I see that God is all-powerful and we're small in insignificance. And he said, what do you see, Holmes? Holmes looked at him and said, Watson, you idiot. I deduce that somebody stole our tent. I'm going to tell you, we make it more complicated sometimes than it needs to be. You don't have to have a PhD in theology to share what the Lord's done. You just got to go tell somebody that's hungry where the bread is. You got to share. You got to be one beggar that says to another beggar where the bread is. There is that urgency to tell. And then there is the unction to tell. Jeremiah 20 and 9. Jeremiah had prophesied something and God in his grace had forgiven people and had withheld his judgment on people. And it kind of made like Jonah, it kind of made Jeremiah a little bit mad. He was a little bit upset. He said, Lord, they're going to mock me that I'm a false prophet. And so he said, I will not make mention of him nor speak any more in his name. Jeremiah said, I'm through. I'm giving up. I'm going to go sell insurance. Jeremiah was kind of like Adam Fussell, who's a Bulldog fan. He said, I'm not a Bulldog fan anymore after that showing yesterday. I said, well, that means you never were a fan if one game would cause you to quit being a fan. That's the way Jeremiah was. He said, I'm going to take my little red ball and go home. I don't like what the Lord did. I'm not going to speak anymore in his name. not going to preach anymore. I'm going to go sell insurance. But he said, when I said that, his word was in my heart like a burning fire shut up in my bones and I got weary trying to hold it back and I could not. I'm going to tell you, if you can get good and full of the Holy Ghost of God, then the Word of God will be a burning in your heart. It'll be like a burning in your bones. You'll try to hold it back and you cannot hold it back. You just got to tell somebody, tell someone what the Lord has done. I don't want to take too much time. It's kind of a humorous story. But when I was in high school, I, uh, I saw a girl one day in Walmart and I was talking to her cousin and her cousin came back to me a little later on and said uh, she wanted to know what your name was, which means there wasn't nothing wrong with her eyesight. And so, uh, so I gave her a call, went out with her and I prayed and I said, Lord, now I don't know this girl and I just want you, everything that happens on this date to be pleasing to you. And uh, when I got on the date with her, 
I started talking about Jesus, and I, in the moment, I knew I was being obnoxious. I knew that it, that it was just overboard. I, did, I was just preaching to her the whole time. And I thought, well, my word, you know, I mean, but I couldn't shut it off. I, there was a well of living water that was bubbling up in me. There was, there was there, a well of everlasting life that was gushing forth out of me. And I was talking to her and telling her about the Lord Jesus. Later on, I saw her cousin and I said, well, well how's she doing? Well, she said you really wasn't her type. <laughs> I'd never even seen the girl before I met her in Walmart that day. This was before I was married, by the way. And uh, just the end, and when I went on the date with her, never saw her again. But I had learned that at one time in, in her earlier life, she had had open heart surgery. And a couple of years later after that, I heard that her mother had gone in. She was only about 20, 22 years old. Her mother had gone in to wake her up one morning, and she had passed away in her sleep. And the only interaction that I ever had with her, I shared the gospel of Jesus Christ with her. I want you to know that if you are filled with the Spirit of God, He will give you that unction to tell. In fact, there is more than an unction to tell from the Lord. There is an urging to tell. There's the urge to tell, there's the urgency to tell, and there's the urging to tell. When Mary Magdalene saw the resurrected Jesus, he said to her, go tell my disciples that I'm alive. Jesus said to uh, his disciples, his apostles, before he left, he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel of the kingdom. Make disciples of all men and baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And lo, I am with you always. Jesus gave a parable of a man that threw a great feast and those he invited would not come. And so he said, go out in the highways and the byways and compel them to come in. And still there was room in the house. He said, well, go get the lame and the blind and the withered, the halt, the sick, and bring them in that my house may be full. I'm going to tell you that God, West Ward's program sometimes is a come see mentality, but Jesus' program is a go ye proposition, go into all the world and tell. And then there is the utterance to tell. You remember on the day of Pentecost, which what Pentecost was about is Jesus said, you will be witnesses unto me and you're going to receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you to be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the, uh, uh, of the earth. One in vain would claim to be Pentecostal and not be a soul winner. One in vain would claim to be a Pentecostal and not be an evangelist in the sense of sharing the good news. I believe in speaking in tongues. I believe in tongues and interpretation of tongues. I believe sides and miracles. I believe all of that. I believe in powerful worship. I believe in people running and shouting and dancing and falling out and words of wisdom and words of knowledge and all of that. But I'm going to tell you, the Holy Ghost of God was not given to us so that we could have better singing and better preaching and better altar services. It was not given to us for an entertainment factor to make church more lively. He was given to us so that we would have power to tell others about the Lord Jesus Christ. 
power to be witnesses, power to fulfill the great commission. And on the day of Pentecost, when they received the Holy Spirit and they began to speak with other tongues, as the Spirit gave the utterance, they got out from the upper room and while they were there, there were Jews there from all over the world and they heard them speak in their own language the wonderful works of God. In other words, the utterance was to tell the great things that the Lord had done. That was the purpose of it. Jesus gives us utterance. In fact, Jesus said, to his disciples, he said, they're going to take you uh, up up before uh, different courts and and haul you away. And when that happens, Matthew 10, 19 and 20, when they deliver you up, do not worry about how you should speak or what you should speak. It will be given to you in that hour what you should speak, for it is not you who speaks, but the spirit of your Father who speaks in you. I know there are people here this morning that say, I, I, there are people that I'm burdened for, that I've been praying for, that I would like to talk to about the Lord, but I just don't know how, and I don't know what to say. And the Lord says, if you'll just do it, I'll put the words in your mouth, and it won't be you that's doing it. It'll be the Holy Ghost of God that's doing it through you. You ever talk to anybody about Jesus and all of a sudden you felt a change come in that conversation and you knew it wasn't your wit, your wisdom, your understanding. You were talking way above your head, but the Spirit of God was reading their bell. He'll give you just what to say, amen? He'll give you the utterance of what to say. Apostle Paul advised Timothy, his son in the faith, to hold on to the things that Paul had taught him. This is in 2 Timothy 1.13. He says, Hold fast the pattern of sound words which you have heard from me. Hold on to what you've heard. Hold on to what I've told you. That word hold on is the Greek word echo. It's used about 775 times in the New Testament. Listen to some of the meanings that it has. It means to have, in other words, to hold. To have or to hold in the hand in the sense of wearing, to have as a possession of the mind, to hold fast, to keep, to have, to regard, to consider. It can mean external things, but it can also mean to be joined by the bonds of natural blood or marriage or friendship or duty or law to hold oneself, to find oneself, to hold on, hold oneself to a thing, to lay hold of a thing, to adhere, to cling to, to be closely joined to a person or thing. In other words, this word doesn't just mean what you hold on to. It means the things that you hold on so tightly to that they've got a hold of you. It's a relational thing. I had an elderly gentleman, and if I said his name, you'd all know him, so I won't say his name. But I had an elderly gentleman in his 90s that I performed a a wedding for he and his bride. And when I was doing their wedding ceremony, it was just a small ceremony. When I was doing their ceremony, I had him repeat their wedding vows. And when I said to have and to hold, he said to have and to hold. (laughs) 
And I want you to know that Jesus is ours to have and to hold. And when Paul said, hold on to those things that you've heard, he was saying, let those things become a part of you. Now, our English word echo does not derive to us or come to us directly from this particular Greek word echo. It comes from another Greek word. But it is a happy coincidence that they are spelled in English just the same. This word to hold to that that is holding on to you is echo. And the word for sound is echo. Now, the Apostle Paul, when he spoke to the philosophers at Mars Hill, he looked around and saw all their false gods, and he said, I'm going to tell you there was one uh, idol there to an unknown god. He said, that's who I'm going to talk to you about. I am not proposing that you believe any Greek mythology because it's all fiction. But in classic literature, Greek mythology, there was a, a character, a nymph called Echo. And Echo saw a handsome young man out one day hunting in the woods. His name was Narcissus. And she fell in love with him. Now he was so good looking and so self-absorbed that when he looked into a little stream and saw his own reflection, he fell in love too with himself. In fact, he was so enthralled with his own reflection that he stayed there and looked until he starved to death and died. However, Echo, who had been cursed by a goddess to only be able to repeat the last word that she heard, could not tell him how much she loved him. But when Narcissus died, looking into that stream at himself, he grieved and said farewell. Basically, he said, you beautiful fellow, you, farewell. And all that Echo could say was the last word she heard, farewell, farewell, farewell. And so grieved was she that she too sat there and wasted away. And nothing was left of her except her voice. And of course, that's how they think we've got the echo. Well, that's mythology, but let me tell you what's not mythology. The last thing that Jesus said was, Behold, surely I come quickly. And let me tell you that when we're in love with him, what we want to do is repeat what he said. We want to tell the world about the good things that Jesus did. We want to tell the world how he came and died. I remember, here's what Paul said. I won't read it to you for the sake of time. But Paul said that our outward body is wasting away. Like echo. Just wasting away. But our inner man's renewed day by day. I could close my eyes and still see Wayne Baker standing over here when the piano was over here leading singing for us on Wednesday night. His lungs, Pat, hardening. Unable to catch his breath and singing, As long as I have breath, I will praise the Lord. As long as I can sing, I will sing his praises. Wherever he leads me, I will follow him. 
And as long as I have breath, I will praise the Lord. Jesus said, surely I come quickly. And you know what my job is and your job is? Is to echo that to the world. He's coming quickly. He's coming. He's coming. That is worth repeating. And I just can't keep about it. Would you stand across the building today? Father, if somewhere along the way we have lost some of the joy, some of the excitement, some of the thrill of the good news, if we used to if we used to be where we just had to tell somebody, Lord, would you restore that to us? Lord, my daddy told me a long time ago, if a person loves fishing, they'll talk about fishing. If they love hunting, they'll talk about hunting. If they love football, they'll talk about football. And if they love Jesus, if you talk to them just a little while, it won't be long before they just got to talk about Jesus. Lord, I love you. God, would you so fill our hearts with the good things of God that we just can't keep it quiet. And we ask you that in Jesus' name. Amen. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed, every Christian is praying. If you're here today and you don't know the Lord as your Savior, then this God that we're talking about can be your God. If you don't know the Lord, will you lift your hand? Praise the Lord. If you're here today and you've drifted away from the Lord and you're not in right relationship with Him, will you lift your hand? Let me ask you this. Thank you. Let me ask you this. If you've been saved but you've never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, lift your hand and say, that's me, Pastor. Pray. I want to receive that gift. Thank you. Thank you. All right, one more. If you're here and you say, I want to be so caught up with the Lord that I just can't help but to share it, lift your hand. Amen. Would you come from all over this building today and let's seek the Lord together. I want you to have an experience in this altar today that when you leave, you just got to tell somebody. Come from all over this building. Come on.